Hey, money bosses. Today, I want to talk about savings rate in America. You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging. But in 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. My name is Anna Shergunina, and I'm your host. Celebrating a small milestone, this is our 20th episode of the Money Boss Podcast. So a little bit of a cheerful mood today. And so I kind of was thinking about a topic that keeps coming up a lot um, in conversations. And we are, what, almost seven and a half months into the pandemic. And I've heard this over and over and over from clients and friends and family. And it goes something like this we seem to not be spending as much money um, as we used to. Or it could be our spending isn't what it used to be in the past because we can go out to eat, right? We're not, we're not buying lunches because we're working from home. We're not traveling as much because the sheer travel uh, is completely shifted for everyone. Vacations are on hold or everything has been rescheduled and pushed back. Uh, to next year. And so when I ask clients to sit down and give me their updated spending plans, they kind of, you know, almost have this hesitation saying, well, you know, what do I put? I know that I'm spending less money, but what are we actually, you know, looking for in terms of projections um, into the future? And so it kind of got me wondering, like, do we have something here that uh, is worth exploring? And um, just reading up a little bit on this online, um, I kind of put the dots together. And so what I wanted to talk about is this. Are we really having this opportunity in this present moment to actually stockpile some cash? Because historically, Americans have not been really good at saving. Uh, and so something called personal savings rate, which me- measures the amount of money Americans have left in their pockets every month after spending, so, right? So paying for all of the bills and paying taxes. And so statistics show that it dropped to 17.8% in July. It was as high as 33% in April. Right in the midst of the whole shutdown and pandemic unfolding, of course, right? We all were stuck at home. We couldn't go anywhere and had 33% saved up. That's like a third, more than a third of our all of our paychecks uh, were not spent. And looking back historically, this, this never happened since 1975. So like forever. I couldn't believe these numbers. But I could also say that I feel it's the same true reality with my own family. Um, it has actually quite a bit improved uh, over the last few months. But right in the midst of like April, May, June, July timeline, I saw that we weren't spending as much money. Now, because I'm a planner, right, and so sort of have this planning, planning focused mind, right, I I wanted to see if there's an opportunity for us to to reshift. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, 
Could it mean that we're just waiting for the economy to reopen? Um, I think a lot of people are still unemployed and can't quite spend the money, right? So it's sort of the opposite. Or could we have an opportunity to actually change our behavior? Because it's been it's been almost seven months, right? It's actually seven and a half. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's a long enough time for us to really start seeing that the patterns are different, the behaviors are different, where we go is different. And anyway, so I'm hoping that this, uh, this episode reminds you a little bit um, to look at, at the current re- reality we are operating in. And I want to f- talk about how do we capitalize on this, okay? Um, because it isn't just to say, hey, you know, our savings rate is up to 17%, which is really still high. Um, but how do we actually really practically um, implement this in our, in our everyday financial life? So I came up with two ideas for you. Um, although they're not new ideas, right? It's almost like you think about all of this that's going on and you circle back to the basics. And so here are my two ideas for you, okay? All right, capitalizing on this supposedly increased savings rate, right? So, and I, I guess I wanted to maybe point out to you that if you haven't really sat down in a while and looked at where all the spending money was going, like where where were you actually allocating your dollars? Maybe that's something you should do uh, prior to looking further into this into this exercise so that you can really actually have some specific numbers right wrapped around your head okay all right so here's my tip number one and I want to circle back and focus on beefing up our emergency reserves I know that this is like the so beat up topic that um, you know a lot of us would just roll our eyes and say okay there's just no way like there's no way I can have emergency reserves. I kind of wanted to separate this for you in two two sort of parts. I wanted to talk about just the straight out traditional emergency reserves or rainy day funds, okay? Traditionally, we've been focused on recommending three to six months worth of expenses saved up somewhere parked, either in a savings account or some people put it in a CD or even keep it in their checking account, which is fine. I think in the current environment, and I'm hearing a lot of this too, maybe perhaps it's worth going up to as much as nine months of reserves because of still there's so much uncertainty going on and and, and it's just, and we have the opportunity, right? So like, I think this is the, 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 the sweet part about this is that maybe we need to sort of stop hating the idea of emergency reserves and really open up our eyes and say, okay, yes, this is my opportunity to probably beef it up. If you have nothing at the moment because you were you you used the funds to live on, right? And I know that a lot of people are in those shoes right now. Consider that as a reminder to start rebuilding those reserves. So I think my my advice would be at this point is to maybe even expand your sort of rule of thumb to go from try to get to three months and then maybe try to work up to six and then the next phase would be working to nine months. Um, I I know how, and especially for folks who have income that's not coming in regularly, right? Every two weeks or um, every month you get a paycheck. So if you have the flexibility in your income, you probably want to have additional reserves, okay? So that's one, one place. And then the second place that I kind of want to introduce to you that I think is a really cool idea, it's called a life fund. When you look at your emergency reserve fund, you need to 
define for yourself what do you really constitute an emergency. And I think for a lot of people, uh, it, it's a bit of a challenge because we tend to not have a clear distinction, right? Or not even have a clear, clearly separated account where our money for rainy day fund resides. And so I think maybe starting with defining what emergency really means to you would help you to sort of designate what goes into the emergency fund and when you take money out of that account versus what I call a life fund. And so I hear this objection a lot with clients too, especially when we put down, we sit down and put together a spending plan. And the objection goes like this, well, not all of my bills are paid on a monthly basis. And I know that. I am just like you. Not all of my bills are paid on a monthly basis. Even though I talk about this a lot with my money flow uh, trainings. So that's where the life fund comes in because what we could do is we can plan ahead for those unregularly right occurring expenses. So if there's something that's not consistently that you can automate and pay every month, let's make a list of what are those expenses are. Are they if they're happening every two weeks, if you pay them quarterly, every other month, and then I'm maybe going out as far as like once a year. So idea examples or ideas around what bills could it be? Sometimes water bill is like that, property taxes. Some of us pay insurance, right? Homeowners insurance, automobile insurance on, um, you know, yearly basis, right? Or every six months. I know, for example, our Geico bill is uh, every uh, every six months. And it's not like calendar year six months. I don't even remember what the timeline is. So it renews every six months. And so it's, sometimes it doesn't fall on the first of the month when I'm sit, sitting down to do to do my expenses. So what I'm asking you to do is look at these unusually scheduled type of expenses, make a list. I think if you look over over a, a six months timeline and maybe even 12 months timeline, just to make sure you caught all of the ones that potentially could happen at the beginning of the year or you pay them towards the end of the year, you're going to have a really good idea of what, what is all at hand. So total them up, add them up together and come up with a number. So let's say maybe you need to have additional $5,000, right, spread out throughout the year to allocate to this life fund. And so if you've worked really hard and you've got your emergency reserves all taken care of and you, you know, maximize that you have your six months or you're working towards that, maybe the next thing you can consider is setting up this life fund. It's really, it's really the same thing. Um, in terms of the structure, it could be set up in a savings account or if you if you consider uh, a money market account, that too. Uh, but what I want to start to kind of introduce here is that that account really would be where you would tap in to pay for the, for these expenses. Because I think where a lot of us get confused and where emergency funds start to be depleted is when we have these unexpected bills, right? Or we've We've kind of planned for them, but we didn't really plan for them because they were not regularly recurring in our monthly spending calculations. We tend to go and dip into our emergency reserves. So I want you to have this clear definition between what emergency you really going to fund from your emergency reserves fund and what you're going to pay for these unusually scheduled type of expenses. Okay, so your homework for today is to make a list of these uh, of these expenses, right? Total them up, figure out what you need Every month, you can even do it as you know as detailed as monthly, and also figure out what you need for the year, and and consider setting up this life fund. I think it's really going to start to to help you 
not only have less worry about like, oh my God, my property tax bill is coming up. Like you and I were talking about this last night uh, with our new house. We're um, still trying to figure out when do we pay our property tax bill? It's nice, right? That it's not, uh, it hasn't showed up just yet. Um, Cause we were just like three months into, um, into our new mortgage. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get nervous and I'm gonna put money aside to pay for the tax bill. But it's really not due until like a couple more months from, from now, by the end of the year. So things like that is what would, would be allocated in a life fund, okay? So as we circling back to the topic about like, okay, you're piling up cash. It seems like a lot of conversation here is around you have extra monies. Let's take care of these basic things because if we get, if we get our basic emergencies, taken care of, we define what they are, right? And then we've got our life fund uh, set aside as well. Then we can start to focus on the next phase. And that is, all right, how do we invest the money, right? We have the access um, of it. How do we invest it? And so I want to leave you with this, um, is that you can definitely start to feel more in control once you have these basic structures, okay? Let me know if you have any questions and until next time, remember, you are the boss of your own money. Hey, Money Boss, thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone, uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.